Well, thanks for inviting me to come and speak today. This is certainly an honor and a privilege. Thank God for Jesus, because he got here first. Hallelujah. I see Jesus everywhere right now. <laughs> Amen. This is pretty awesome. Today is a little bit different. You know, when Mark asked me to speak, there was actually a level of excitement involved this time. There's a crazy amount of peace that's going on inside of me, and I'm, I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> but I have this quote on my wall in my room, and it says this, and it, uh, it is so true right now. It says, fear cannot own you when a great cause rules your heart. And that's by Pastor Matthew Barnett. And let me tell you, <laughs> there is definitely a cause ruling over my heart right now. And it's that big fat word right up there uh, called unity. So we're going to talk about unity today. And I'm going to start with really creatively and go to the dictionary definition <laughs> of that word. So we all start off right on the same page. The definition of unity is a state of being one, oneness, a whole or totality as combining all its parts into one. The state or fact of being united or combined into one, as of all the parts of a whole, unification, absence of diversity, unvaried or uniform character, oneness of mind, feeling, etc., as among a number of persons, one accord, harmony or agreement, and in literature and art, a relation of all parts or elements of a work constituting a harmonious whole and producing a single general effect. We know that that effect that we'll be talking about today is love. So unity, where did that start? Well, in the beginning. So let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And who was the Word? Jesus. Amen. So we have Jesus and the Father together right there in the beginning, before the creation of the world. Not only was Jesus the Word, but John says the Word was God. Therefore, we have God the Father and we have Jesus in relationship with each other, in perfect unity, because they are one with each other. If we go to Ephesians 1.4, For he chose us in him, him being Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So he chose us before the creation of the world. So we have Jesus and God hanging out, and they're thinking about us, right? Before they even decided to create the world. We were not an afterthought. We were a forethought to the creation of the world. God is thinking about creating us as physical beings, right? To be in relationship with him. But these physical beings need a place to live. Therefore, I believe that God created the world for us. We go to Genesis 1. 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The third person of the Trinity. So we have God the Father, we have Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1, and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock and over all of the earth, over all of the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, 
he created them. God in his perfect love and perfect unity with himself decided to expand that love to all of mankind, giving us authority over the earth. Is it even possible for God not to be in agreement with his self? He created us in his image, the image of them, they who are in complete and perfect unity. Are not we created to be in complete and perfect unity? Now God, he won't disagree with himself, but since there is a trinity, there has to be differentiation between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So within the trinity, we have this diversity in unity. I'd like to go through and talk about each person of the trinity a little bit. I'm going to do it by basically giving you a list of the names that reflect the character of three persons of the trinity. I'll start with God the Father, Abba, our Daddy who loves us and adores us, who has intimate relationship with us, who also happens to be the creator of the entire universe, our provider, my shepherd, my righteousness, Yahweh Shammah, the Lord is there, the Lord God of Israel, Adonai, the Almighty God, Alpha and Omega, Father of mercy, God of peace, my fortress, my tower of strength, my refuge, God of all comfort, the Lord God, God of angel armies, Lord of all the earth, a consuming fire, the Most High God, everlasting God. He is love. Then we have the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God, who descended on Jesus and enabled him to do his mighty works on earth. Spirit of life, healer, spirit of truth, author of scripture, comforter, counselor, advocate, guide, our seal, our deposit that God put in us as a guarantee of our inheritance as sons and daughters of the Most High. He is the indweller of the believers. Then there's Jesus. Yep, I love him. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the Word through which all things were made, the only begotten Son of the Father, the first of many brothers, Emmanuel, God with us, the Good Shepherd, our Savior, our Messiah, deliverer and redeemer the door the way the truth the life the light of the world morning star prince of peace lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world the king of kings lord of lords lion of the tribe of judah jesus himself said verily verily i say to you before abraham was i am hallelujah Okay, so we have the Trinity, powerful stuff. If we go to Colossians 2.9, we have this powerful Trinity living inside of us. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. Hallelujah. So in Christ, we have oneness with him. We actually have all the fullness of God indwelling in us. Therefore, we can say that we have full unity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the very image we see both in perfect unity and diversity, oneness and differentiation in the makeup of the Holy Trinity that makes up our God in whose image we're made. We see them living again in perfect unity, perfect love, perfect relationship with each other. And we see how God chose to expand this perfect love and relationship and perfect unity to mankind. How do I know that God wanted perfect unity with us? Well, there was Colossians 2.9. <laughs> but the biggest reason is Jesus, who came to reconcile us with the Father, who loves us beyond what we could ever imagine or think. 
So in Genesis, we have a divine blueprint of how we are to live with each other. And if God in his perfect will, if each of us in God's perfect will is in perfect unity with God, if we are in Christ in oneness with God, then by definition we are complete and one in unity with each other. Because basically, if A equals B and B equals C, then A also equals C. So this is our heavenly identity in the Lord, oneness in Christ with the Father. This was his intent. And if we look at John 17:23, we see Jesus' conversation with the Father. I think it's pretty cool to see God talking to God about us. John 17:23 says, "I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. May they be brought to complete unity." This is Jesus talking. This is his will. And if we're in his perfect will, we are in complete unity with each other. God basically hard-baked this message into my heart a couple years ago. I was listening to a prophetic New Year's sermon given by Dr. Machia. He was speaking from Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. The Valley of the Dry Bones is um, pretty interesting. It talks about this valley full of body parts everywhere. And they've been there so long and they're so decomposed and everything that they're no longer connected with each other. It's just a bunch, a heap of dry bones not working together, not really doing anything basically dead. I'm going to read from Ezekiel 37. God asked Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you, and make flesh come upon you, and cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. So it's when these bones come together that they will know that he is Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back from the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. And I'm just here to tell you that I do believe that the Lord has done this here in Kenosha. There are people coming to Kenosha from all over the place. There are people coming back to Kenosha from everywhere, everywhere in the United States and even the world. So Ezekiel 37 is basically the vision that the Lord gave me for Kenosha. And I'm going to talk to you about what is actually now happening in Kenosha as we speak.
The vision the Lord has given me is a unified, focused, strategic effort to restore Kenosha to what God created it to be, a community filled with people of God loving each other in unity. Being fairly new to Kenosha, I only moved here, well, basically 2012. I came here looking for a church, and not being a pastor, I was able to go, go around to many churches and um, basically take advantage of different places and, and different days of the week. Whoever had a Bible study on Wednesday, that's where you'd find me. <laughs> Somebody was preaching on Sunday, I'd be there. There was a great Saturday evening service that I would go to that totally rocked as well. So I was able to like go to all these different places, and I could see all these awesome ministries taking place. But one Pastor Machia preached on the Valley of the Dry Bones. It was really apparent to me how even though Kenosha has all these great ministries happening, they're not really connected. There was kind of a tone of us and them, that kind of thing, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Kenosha is full of people with huge hearts who want to do things for the Lord. There are lots of awesome ministries, but disconnected. And I believe what needs to happen is we need to take up a more godly perspective on the town of Kenosha. Scripture says that we are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. So let's take a look from there. Let's take a look from God's point of view. I don't think that God looks at a city like Kenosha, 100,000 people, and sees a town with a bunch of tiny little churches in it. I believe that God looks at Kenosha and he sees churches with a town around them. And it's our charter to go out into that town around us. So my vision for Kenosha, that is really, I believe, God's vision, is to harness the love that I've myself experienced in all these churches and then connect them into a network of churches working together. And actually, talking to people, I've actually got a bit of flack and it kind of comes from people getting a little jaded because of what they've experienced in the body of Christ, which is a disconnectedness in a large sense. People say that it's impossible to get churches to work together. And here are a few reasons why. And maybe um, you've experienced some of this too. Sometimes it seems kind of like turf warfare. If one church is um, serving over here, then another church probably shouldn't do that. Or if this church comes over here, they're trying to steal our people, that kind of thing. There are the goals of filling pews, basically focusing on numbers or the bottom line. Racism can come into play. Everybody wants to be the hero, the one that saves Kenosha and that everybody looks to and adores. I've heard biting criticism between churches, a lack of grace, unfortunately. And another thing is that people tend to get really comfy within their own church walls, planning potlucks, planning stuff, you know, just, just for us because we like it here and we know each other and it's safe and warm. And that's all a good thing. I like potlucks too. <laughs> but what I want to do is bring the potluck out to the community because Jesus said, if you have a banquet, invite those who cannot pay you back. There are lost people out there who maybe don't know the blessing that they have in Christ. They don't know Christ. They've been burned by experiences that they've had in church, often legalism and whatnot. And what I'd like to see, and I believe what God wants to see, is the church come together and show God's love and grace and mercy to these lost people. We can't just sit here and pray hoping that they're going to walk into the door one day. The fact is, they're not. <laughs> they're out there in the community. They really don't know what they're missing. And we know that they're missing an absolutely wonderful, wonderful thing. So I believe that we are called to do the impossible. God says in Christ, all things are possible. It's no accident that we are all here today. 
Everybody here wants to do something, and God has called us together, people of the same heart, to elevate the cause of Christ to where it should be, to do something collectively that we could not do on our own. So unity is what we're called to do. The church cannot be effective trying to operate as the valley of the dry bones. We turn to Romans 15.1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. And Paul prays here, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. Hallelujah. A lot of people do pray for unity and everything, but I submit that unity is something that we actually have to do. And God pretty much lays it out in the first verse, where the strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak not to please ourselves. Each should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. We all can get offended at times and everything, but really, why do we need to be offended? Everybody has hurts, unfortunately, inside of them that challenge them. And basically, I think that when someone offends another person, it's basically coming from that place of hurt that has not had a chance to heal yet, okay? So instead of taking offense, Let's wrap our arms around that person, knowing where that hurt really comes from, okay? Because it's not coming from him or her. We need to look at things in a spiritual realm, not just judge a book by its cover. And if we turn to Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We have two faiths here today. <laughs> Couldn't help that. Um, my daughter's name is Faith, for anybody who doesn't know. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That is the place that we need to be operating from. One spirit, one accord, in unity with God first and then with each other. If we go to Acts 4:32 through 33, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And further along, he says, the result of that was that great grace was upon them. So a lot can get done when the body of Christ is working in one accord. So on April 2nd, a bunch of us took a leap of faith, decided to put works towards the end of unity. On April 2nd, we kicked off the Faith Action Network. The mission statement of the Faith Action Network is to establish and maintain a network of pastors and ministry leaders in Kenosha to do the sayings of Jesus Christ in a more extraordinary way than any of us could do on our own. It exemplifies a body of Christ that contains churches without walls, churches without borders, churches embracing each other in love and unity, being different yet serving together. Ministries functioning as unique parts of one body, the body of Christ. Capitalizing on each other's strengths and being able to count each other in our weaknesses, organized and effective. 
A lot of you know that I head up the faith community team, and we adopted a neighborhood. We go into the neighborhood every other Saturday. First we pick up the trash, and then we um, knock on doors and uh, give people free food and stuff. And people love free food and stuff. And uh, so they've actually grown to love us quite a bit <laughs> because we've been going there since October 3rd and have been making it out there through the entire winter. What the people of this neighborhood have actually witnessed for themselves as a result is a community of faith coming together. One God, one spirit, one body. The point of this network is to know each other, to love each other, and help each other, praying for each other. And the people recognize God in us by the love that they see between us. And they will see us because of the collective and unified body working a plan with a purpose in the Faith Action Network and the Faith Community Team. It's actually kind of cool because now more people are hanging out outside, right? And uh, so <laughs> the Faith Community Team is out there, and we were hanging out as a group the other day on one of the corners, and somebody um, came up to Faith, and what was his name? Terrence, <laughs> yes. Terrence, a member of the neighborhood. He was talking um, to my daughter Faith, and he was pretty juiced on what we were doing in the neighborhood. Since he saw the sincerity and, and realness of what we were doing there and the love that was the reason we were there, what happened was typical of what happens with this type of ministry. He said, so what church do you go to? And I looked around, and there were at least five different churches represented. And I'm happy to tell you that this is one of them. <laughs> Every other Saturday, we go to the exact same neighborhood, 54th Street and 22nd Avenue is where we meet. And we basically hit the entire length of the street down to 14th Avenue, which is where the, the train station is. That's a picture of the first day on October 3rd. That was huge for me because this is something that I had had in my heart for almost three years. And there it was manifested. Uh, hands and feet of Jesus Christ working together to spread Jesus' love with action. So we meet here at the park. <laughs> and we make our way all the way down the street this way. And end up down here where the tracks are. Pretty natural border. And uh, we actually have a blast doing it. So like I said, there's no single church affiliation in this group. I purposely did not want to have any labels of the church logos and everything. That's why it's called the Faith Community Team, because that faith is something we definitely all have in common. And this is absolutely a faith-based ministry, because this community needs Jesus Christ if it's going to actually be restored. And what the Faith Community Team does, by going door to door, we knock on the door like our lovely Savior, Jesus, and offer them free stuff, just like Jesus does, because we all know that grace is free. Our goal is that they see Christ, not the church logo, leading with our actions, service and consistency, over time develop a trust that facilitates opportunities to then talk about Jesus. So like I said, we start at one end of the street, and we make our way down the road, picking up trash through the entire neighborhood, beautifying it, and actually bringing the presence of the Holy Spirit and changing the atmosphere, which is absolutely huge. We show Jesus' love by then coming in the opposite direction, providing free food items. We have an overabundance of popcorn that is donated from the popcorn factory. God is blowing the top right off the popper. <laughs> Our cup is definitely overflowing, and it's not just popcorn, but other snacks as well. What we're doing is basically evangelizing with acts of kindness so that people can see that we're for real. We're basically invading people's space 
serving opens doors. We're there for their benefit, not ours. There are plenty of things um, that the world can distract you with on a Saturday, especially when you only have a couple days off a week. It is the loving kindness of God that makes people turn to him. So that's what we're leading with. Grace, loving kindness. We don't knock on their door and ask them what that smell is. That's, you know, <laughs> seeping out of their windows. Or uh, what's that glassy look in your eye? Or anything like that. We understand that people are facing real challenges. People have been trapped by the sin that they're caught in. It snares. And a lot of people are not equipped with the same defenses that we have. And basically, they need Christ to deliver them from these. And that's why we're bringing Christ all day. The deeds that they see you do may be the only sermon that they hear that day. Since we've been in the neighborhood, people are sharing with us more and stuff. And um, as the Holy Spirit leads, we will invite them to church. And if they ask any individual person, what church do you go to? Just tell them whatever church you go to. Because we want them to see Jesus, not us. <laughs> and not the church, except for what Christ is doing in that church. So we're building trusting relationships. And um, as we have conversations with people in the neighborhood as well, we also discover what other needs that they have. And um, they receive the contact information and scripture on cards. And I love it when I see my phone ringing with a call from somebody in Kenosha, and I have no idea what number it is, because I know it's from the neighborhood. And they're reaching out for help from Christ, basically. A couple weeks ago, somebody called with the need for a bed. It was a grandma, and uh, she needed a bed for her three-year-old little grandson, who she now had custody of. Her uncle, who lives in our neighborhood, suggested that she give us a call and that maybe we could help. So I put out the word, we need a bed, we need a dresser for this little boy. And sure enough, as God always does, he provided. Not only that, but the uncle that lives in the neighborhood, he also gave me a call and said, by the way, I really need a bed too. <laughs> And God not only had one bed <laughs> that he gave us for free, but this same person actually had a second bed that was available and a dresser. So one Monday night, we hopped in the vans and whatever and uh, delivered these things to the neighborhood. And the gratitude that flows from these people who receive these gifts of love is really overwhelming. And you definitely get at least a double portion back of what you've given. So we're out there providing for needs. We're also showing Jesus' love through prayer. Prayer is so important. Some people, they're like, yes, please pray for me. My baby, who's one year old, she's in the hospital. She has a thyroid issue, and she's been there for months. My best friend for 42 years, he's in the hospital. He's on a respirator, and his family is having to make some really hard decisions right now, and I don't know how I'm going to do without this friend if the worst should happen. And this picture you see here up on the screen, that's a picture of one of our pastors praying for that young mom whose baby is in the hospital. And I use it basically on everything. It's actually part of a much larger photo, but it speaks volumes as to what we're doing out there and the unity that we can accomplish through Christ. So the Faith Action Network, like I said, we had our kickoff meeting. We had a great turnout. I'd say there are about 20 or so people who signed in and signed up to be part of this network. That includes several churches. And the plan is to coordinate additional adopt-a-neighborhoods to be a central point of contact, provide resources, provide training, presentations, basically everything that anybody would need to adopt a neighborhood. And this is basically a plug-and-play ministry. And if you can uh, pick up garbage, you're qualified. <laughs> 
the next meeting for anybody who's interested is uh, on May 14th. And if you'd like to come, you can definitely contact me and I'll give you all of that information. So while all this was going on, I decided to take my kid to a Toby Mac concert. <laughs> Toby Mac happens to be my absolute favorite performer of all time, along with his band Diverse City. Something really cool happened at this concert that Faith and I went to. In between sets, in between artists, there is a time when Toby Mac's drummer comes up to the forefront and he gives an awesome, powerful speech on unity. Speech, I should say sermon. He gives his testimony and um, he just lights the whole place up. We were in an arena full of strangers, thousands of people ended up standing arm in arm like this, on each other's shoulders, well, hands on each other's shoulders, <laughs> and in what he calls the Jesus pose. And it was really amazing. It's powerful to look around and see that many people, arm in arm, the body of Christ, together. This drummer, B. Haley, when he finished up speaking, he said, now, if anybody wants to talk to me further about uh, unity and how we are one in the body of Christ, come see me after the show. I'm going to be over under this big banner of myself, which is kind of awkward, but feel free to come and see me. And I looked at him and I said, I need to come see you. And so I did. And there I was amongst all the other 12-year-olds trying to get their picture with them. <laughs> right? I waited patiently while they all had their turn <laughs> and stuff. And I got to go up there and uh, he gave me a great big hug. He told me he loves me and how we're all one in one body and unity in the body of Christ. And I said, yes, we are. And here's what we're doing in Kenosha. All of a sudden, this lighthearted conversation kind of like um, became very focused. I told him about the Faith Action Network, a focused strategic effort to unite the body of Christ, sharing resources and talents and knowledge and kindness and love with each other to make things happen and to win over Kenosha for Christ. I told him about the Faith Community Team and what we're doing every other Saturday. I was probably babbling because I, I don't get starstruck very often, but I was. And he looked at me in the eye and he said, I can help you. And I said, what? He said, yes, I can help you. I can come and speak. And I said, really? Yeah. And um, I kind of didn't believe him. So <laughs> finally he was convincing me and said, I will wash toilets with you. <laughs> and Faith said, well, we pick up trash. <laughs> he said, I can do that. <laughs> I will pick up trash with you. So here is my all-time favorite Christian artist, the drummer, saying that he will come to Kenosha and pick up trash for me in a neighborhood and wash the feet of the people who live there. Powerful stuff. B and I became instant friends. <laughs> he told me to contact him. And of course, I was like, yeah, right. How do I do that? He gave me the information. And um, about a week later, I sent him an email, well, to his team, and... Three hours later, my phone is ringing, and it's ringing from Tennessee. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, okay. I answer the phone. Hey, Nancy, what's up? How you doing? And I'm like, no way. It is B. Haley, Jennifer, the Toby Mac. <laughs> okay. He's like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah, you know, and we start talking and everything. We start talking about unity. He is just all over it. He is a total brother in Christ who wants nothing more than to see the body of Christ come together as one. So we talked for over 30 minutes on the phone. 
which was pretty exciting and got over the star factor pretty quickly because we were so on the same page with this message of unity. He has what he calls the We Are One movement, and he does go around speaking around the country and said, uh, my team, team and I have a meeting at 2 o'clock today. I'm going to make this a high priority. And sure enough, following that meeting, directly following that meeting, his manager called me and we started going over details. And uh, what we've done is we've settled on a date this past week. That will be October 2nd. It's the first Saturday in October. And that worked out wonderfully because with Toby Mac's schedule and everything, because um, that happens to be the first year anniversary of the Faith Community Team. Yeah, thank you God, right? <laughs> so one year anniversary, the We Are One movement is coming into town and we need lots of help. So we're going to have this unity rally in Kenosha, October 2nd. The purpose will be to renew people's minds in the body of Christ regarding unity and about overcoming all the challenges that try to divide us and to motivate everyone to actively participate in a unified effort of the Faith Action Network of Kenosha and the Adopt-A-Neighborhood Ministry. So this is going to be a really big deal and we expect at least hundreds of people to show up. There will be merchandising and media coverage as well. So if you'd like to be involved, please let me know because we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I would actually just like to close this message with Romans 15, 7 through 13. And this is taken from the message. And I love the way it speaks this message. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Jesus, staying true to God's purposes, reached out in a special way to Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises would come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we do. For instance, then I'll join outsiders in a hymn and sing. I'll sing to your name. And this one, outsiders and insiders rejoice together. And again, people of all nations celebrate God. All colors and races give hearty praise. And Isaiah's word, there's the root of our ancestor Jesse breaking through the earth, growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives, filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit, will brim over with hope throughout Kenosha. And we pray this in Jesus' name.